A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Two Narys podcast. I'm your host James and I'm joined as always by my good friend Timmy Lam. Hi everyone. Say hi Sean's on the switcher. Hi lads, how's it going? We have a few ladies in the audience, Barbara, Katrina and Sheila. How are you ladies? Hi. Great to have you here. And we have two friends at the desk today. Mm. Key Purcell and Tony Kenny. They're doing a bit of research at the moment, but before we get into that, for the people that don't know you, I'll go with, who's the youngest? We'll go with this one. The <laughs> how's the farm, Keith? Not too bad, boy, not too bad, James. Yeah. Tell us where you grew up. Yeah, I grew up in Aknihini, in the north side. Yeah. Um, big family. Big family, 12. I have six brothers, six sisters. One passed. Mm-hmm. Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. yeah. We're off talking off camera there about singing in your family, but he was a great singer, wasn't he? He was. He was yeah. the guitar. He was mad for the crack. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, and you're in recovery as well, Keith. We're all in recovery at the table here. Yeah, I'm in recovery for five and a half years. Congratulations. Thanks. How was that road been for you? Well, <clears throat> it been... Two tough times, good times, you know, mm. but, uh, yeah, I, I'm here, you know, um, to be honest about it, uh, <clears throat> I have a lot of awareness, you mm. know, uh, there's that um, change in my thinking as well, you know, from where I was in my addiction to where I am now, like, mm. you know. And behaviours, it comes, doesn't hand in hand, the awareness. Yeah, the, the behaviours, like, you know, um, I suppose it's basically it's the support basically got me to where I am, like, you know. For the people that's listening now, there'll be people in prison and in treatment centres and at home, struggling maybe. What kind of what kind of supports did you use? Or how did you actually rebuild your life? How did you get out of the madness? When I, when I came out of prison in 2017, um, I went to Trustfield Trust. I met the Water Cock Alliances, but I thought it was, you know, because Alfred, me brother Alfred and Adam was up there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought. So I met a person up there that told me that he dropped me down to Cocker Lines yeah. and taught me a bit of his story. Do you know, and um, where he was, and that, you know, he got recovery and um, he went to college, you know, and he, he done his degree. And he's, what did that do for you, Keith? What, how did you feel when. Well, when to be honest about like it, I, I thought I wouldn't listen to him. Yeah. Do you know, um, I was going out to the, down the car, I was still. Drinking, I just went to, I just came out of prison, I just went to St. Anne and Cockleines and just go straight out drinking and drugging, do you know, that's, that was my goal and I did do it, mm-hmm. do you know, and uh, when he was talking about it, I was listening, I didn't think I was listening and he taught me about where he was in his addiction, do you know, and where he was in his recovery and he was a key worker and, do you know, um, I wanted to be what he had. Basically, within a couple of weeks, it was a, uh, I was on my knees, do you know, yeah. wrong for help, do you know, and uh, I mm. went up to his door and I knocked at the door. You, yeah, I knocked at the door and I I was actually listening to him and I thought he wasn't, you know. <laughs> so he brought me to a meeting and I think um, uh, I was leaked in my cock of lines, is like, you know, and to be honest about it, um, I didn't trust anybody, mm. do you know. Everybody was against me in my head, like, you mm. know, and... I just couldn't trust anybody like and um when I went into the meeting I came out of the meeting and uh, I decided to go to Cockleines as do you know what I mean? and I went there. Look, to be honest, I says um I was drinking and drugging for the last few weeks when I got out of jail, do you know, but I was in a bad place so I didn't care even if I went into prison. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Um and she said, Look, that's okay, I get back up in the wagon, do you know? And we were talking but my head was I was signing on two days after up in car prison. Yeah. And when I went up, I was waiting to get dragged in, do you know? But I didn't, do you know? So I think that's when the trust started mm-hmm. and the communication then in Cockleines is I started to uh, um, 
they believe in me. Yeah. Do you know? They believe in me and they listened. Do you know? They had empathy. They had the love. Do you know? They had the passion. I learned a lot from them. Mm-hmm. Did you start going to meetings and things? Um, I started when I went to that. When I came into Cockerlands, I said, look, I was using and I was drinking, you know, and uh, I didn't touch a drink or a drug since, you know. I went to the meeting. I kept going to the meetings, you know, and it was in a couple of weeks. And um, I was lucky it was in a couple of weeks. I was in recovery and uh, um, I was in I was in the meeting and I got a phone call. Just when I came out of the meeting, state that my brother got murdered, mm-hmm. you know. So, like that again, I was looking because I had kind of cock lenses with me. I did the agencies around me, you know, and I cock lenses. And um, I wanted to go to treatment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I thought I, be, I, I know I was ready for treatment. I was in other treatment centers, but that was to get out of jail card. Yeah. You know, um, I was always doing the wrong things and making the wrong choices. And it was kind of come to the stage I wanted to make the right, do the right things and make the right choices, you know. And um <clears throat> I was in good hands, you know, I had the supports that I never had before. Mm-hmm. And when I had the supports, uh, I grabbed onto them, you but know. Was that the first time you interacted with the Cork Alliance during your prison sentences, Keith? Yeah, that was my first time ever uh, interacting with um, yeah. with any agencies. I suppose you were at the you were at your, you were at a stage in your life as well where it was, it was like your rock bottom that you just couldn't handle any more pain, really, I'd say. I couldn't handle any more because maybe like I, I had no awareness even when I was in addiction where why I was even drugging, why I was even drinking, you know. I thought it was different compared to everybody else, you know. I've seen people catching hands walking down, you know, going to the pub, having two or three pints and going home and, you know, I thought there was something wrong with them, like, mm-hmm. you know, I genuinely thought that they were putting it on, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know how to. But that was the, I suppose, I, I can completely relate to that. And I'm sure James can too, because like our norm growing up was completely different to the norm you're speaking about. Two people going to the pub with their catching hands. Like my wife will always before I I um got sober. My wife would try to catch my hand, and I push her hand away because because I thought catching a woman's hand was was uh was um something that men didn't do. You know, particularly masculine men men from where we came from our area. And if I got spotted catching my wife's hand, I would be uh, a soft boy. Mm-hmm. And that was my mentality back then. I can completely relate to it. But I suppose because we have that exterior image, it that's what's protecting us. You talked about trust there earlier on. You didn't trust anybody. I felt the exact same way as you. Never trusted anybody because of different things that went on in our lives when we were kids. And you lose trust in humankind, humanity, and what happens then is you go on your own path, and you also turn around. And you says you felt like you were on your own all of your time because mm. you were completely introverted. You were caught up in your head. Mm. You were disconnected from your emotional body, mm. and you felt you couldn't feel anything. But what you started to do then, when you started getting awareness, was you started connecting with your body, and that's when you started becoming aware. And that's when trust stuff comes and you start to trust in the car clients and other people. We start mm-hmm. trusting other people then through our lives. I remember the day I started trusting people. I just made a decision. I'm going to start trusting people, you know. I remember the day I loved the person for who they are. I started loving my wife, you know, because I felt it for the first time. And these are things that recovery gives you, Tony, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, he mentioned something else there that was important as well. You know, the illusion of addiction. Now when you look at that couple going for the old pint and holding hands, you're like, isn't that lovely? But the reality is Linden Village, down the lane, burning wheelie bins, you know, swinging out of car doors, you know, that, that's the reality of it. Like you might you might start off in the pub, mm-hmm. but when they're going to work Monday morning, you're wandering the streets looking for an off license to open up or trying to get money together to buy a bag or, you know, so that's an illusion that we're sold. And some people can actually have a drink, yeah. no bother. Fair play to them. If I could, I probably would too. But I know I can't, and you can't either. I'm going to bring you in, Tony. Yeah. How are you? I'm good, James, boy. Um, I'm from Granabraho, north side of Cork. Um, a big enough family too, not as big as kids. Well, five brothers, four sisters. Uh, uh. Um, this is what I'm kind of talking about addiction, Jesus, man. 
taking drugs since I'm about fucking 12 years of age. Mm. First thing I ever tried was uh, the tip yeah. That was in primary school. Mm. I was seeing the entity, uh, the worktop or something, pull it off. Um, and that just went down for me. Um, petrol. And then just explored from there. I can remember, like, I'd no dream, remember up in Hamptons, there was a, you could rob the cakes up in Hamptons <laughs> years ago, but there was a petrol tank in there too. Yeah. And like, we were so young, there was like a wooden door, and our hands could fit in, there was a gap, our hands fit in, pull out the, the nozzle, the nozzle would come out, and then the other fellow kind of pump and into the bottle, and we'd go up behind Hamptons and sniff it, me and two other bites. And uh, we used to call them dreams. Mm -hmm. I'd be fucking like that, but they were good ones, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think, for me, it was kind of happy fucking days, you know what I mean? But it takes you away from everything else. Everything else, it? yeah. yeah. kills the boredom yeah. and the monotony of um, youth that you're not to do, and no. you sniff the petrol in and everything is nice. Like when I was in school, when I was in school, I fucking, I went long for God. Did you go to Padre mm -hmm. Pio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was long for God. I kind of, I kind of, for me, it was like the teachers was labeling you stupid, more lately you were sitting down the back, and I was always sitting down the back. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Long for God. I think they just left you off. I think it just left me off because, like, I would have been sniffing the petrol. I wasn't even going to school at that. I would have been kind of, would have been in fifth, fourth, fifth class. I wasn't, so I wasn't even going to school. Mm -hmm. um, no, I'll be up sniffing petrol. And I suppose the lads that you're sniffing petrol with are probably going through the same, same shit as well. Thing, yeah, same and you're thing. just there to help each other. Yeah. And carry, like, I, I remember the people in my circle back then were, were the same. You know, there were people yeah. going through similar situations yeah. in their own family homes, yeah. and you kind of help each other yeah. and you grow yeah. up because I didn't fit in with any of the other groups. Yeah. You know, I didn't fill in with the, the smart people in the class no, or the no, fellas who had no. a few, whose mum and dads had a few yeah. quid or. Yeah. Yeah. Are the fellas who dress nicely and they yeah. were on, they were getting, do you know, with the girls and stuff like yeah. that. I didn't fit in there because yeah. I was too shy, and I I didn't fucking dress nicely yeah. because we we had yeah. nothing. Yeah, do you know, so you 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 surround yourself by similar yeah. kids, like yeah, because you, you you feel the same. Yeah, and you actually don't give each other shit then either. No, you get on. Mm. Like we used to, what I would like, Chalkfield had us know to tell us they asked where we were the most being kind of playing football. I know. Like, uh, then fucking, we could have been fucking at the terrace throwing stones at cows and then running into the school. We, there was a bear caught in the Churchill school, running into the school mm. and up on top of the roof, hiding. Um, oh, it's fun and games, like, do you know what I mean? Um, like, I'd know, I'd be honest, like, I'd know fucking um, aspirations in life when I was smart. Mm. I'd, like, I'd said four of us didn't, like. No, I just, oh, it was for me because it was just drugs. Just stoned, whatever, whatever it may be. It was that, that was what we were exposed to. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I did want to be a wrestler. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I used to love you, man. His fucking... younger brothers can testify to that. They were the victims. Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, our fucking our macho man. Our, one of them I used to Mass love. Man Randy Savage. That oh. dream is still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 still yeah. there. Like. Still, yeah. I'm working towards it. Yeah. marvelous. But I remember coming across you and your crew. When uh, I used to go down to doctors, we won't name him, no doctor death, mm. but he was very close to your house. Mm. What was, explain to the people what that was like. Jesus Christ, oh, okay. I, don't, I, I don't know who put me on to him now too, but like out of my friends that I, I would have been the first to win, when someone put me on to him, so I just come up with a bullshit story. Um, mm. Doctor, someone's after in the family, and not about I write out the script, 90 deed hands, and 60 up John 17s. Jesus Christ, that's... Grand job. Give it, you could, it could be the next day, but give it two days, go back to him, doctor, <laughs> doctor, I lost it. Uh, you know where it's gone, here's another one. I told my friends then, and they were just getting scripts. One of my friends, by he was getting 60 purple hearts, 90 D10s, and 120 DF1 and purple hearts were probably the strongest Strong ones then they, you could get yeah them. they cut them down then but yeah, the fucking we used to get the df on and that's the dihydrocodeine i think we're very lucky that we had never heard of oxycodone or anything yeah. like that 
because if we did, we would have gotten them open too. Yeah. And there's a lot yeah. more debts associated yeah. with those. But yeah. there was a lot of debts come out of that surgery too down through oh, the years, wasn't there? 100% James, by the fucking... I, I don't want to name people to die now. Yeah, I know. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but I think he's still in practice out the south side. Man. That's what I know. Passed um, away. Yeah, man, but you go over there, you know the place. Yeah. There could be, be at least 40, 50 people. You know, I'm all in. Like, I just what it was like for the old ladies yeah. that actually were genuine yeah. patients, you yeah. know, what they were exposed to in yeah. that surgery, yeah. you know. And, it, like, you know, if you were early at all. I hope they're looking for the doctor in Blairney. <laughs> but you know what actually he, he was another good one for the script yeah he was my doctor as well is he Dr. Dead do you know and uh, <laughs> well I had a few of them do you know but Dr. Dead was uh, like he he wouldn't be on the computer so oh. he wouldn't know if you're getting your medication yeah so I'd win the next day again but he used to he used to have cards with your name written yeah. on it. You could hide the card. You could hide the card. Yeah. If the secretary wasn't on that yeah. the secretary wasn't <laughs> and the secretary would have been his wife yeah do you know yeah. so um, but there was a secretary. Was, was I won't say her name. Yeah. No, but she was she, walking the ship yeah. and knocking yeah. you. She yeah. was doggy yeah. wide, right? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. But she was bang on too. Like, oh, she see us coming yeah. a mile away. Yeah. Mm. But you, you turned it around, like Keith, for the people that's watching. What did you do to get you where you are today? Like, what kind of support did you? How did the end? How did all that madness end for you, Tony, as well? Um, I tell you, know, me mind, but I was just telling me things that weren't true. Cause I was, you know what I mean? I was at my lowest point, and especially when I got introduced to the gear anyway, do you know what I mean? Heroin. Yeah, the fuck. Tana. But my mind was just telling me things that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, I tried it. I tried to get clean in 2014, but just like here, it was for charges. I didn't like, I didn't, like, I, I, I never liked prison anyway, like, do you know what I mean? I, mm. um, and just one morning then, but I was, I think it was 2016, it was like fucking, it was like, it was like getting up and doing the same thing day in, day out. For me, like, it was like Groundhog Day, get up. If you don't have money for your drugs, you'd, you're trying to get the money, or you'd rip someone off, and just, just, yeah. I, the fucking, the obsession just to get it into me, like, do you know what I mean? And I just woke up one morning, I said, fuck that. So I got onto Vicky and Cockerlands, because I'm linked to my Cockerlands for the last 16 years. Uh, Went into Vicky, said, I, I think I'm ready. I, I, I just had enough, I did, like I had enough. I said, I'm ready here to fucking go to treatment. Made a phone call to Francis Farm. Started giving the O-rings. They would have been clean, I would have been on the metadone, I have you. Yeah. But, but my O-rings would have been clean. Sometimes I might have a slip, but they know that, like I'm an addict, you know what I mean? Kind of got... Francis Fair got me back for the assessment and didn't have a clue. Vicky and Cockerlands had to go off to the bus station with me to get me the bus ticket because I didn't have a clue. Mm. It was kind of computerized thing. Didn't have an IR. Yeah. No, we can do it, but back then didn't have a clue. Yeah. Didn't have a clue. Because um, my, my life was just around me area taking drugs and occasionally going down to get me metadone or calling to Vicky. That was it. That mm. was that's how small my area was. Um, Vicky. Got the thing, I went up, done the assessment, and then even going up, going into the treatment when I, it was fucked the fear. Unreal. Terrible, isn't it? Oh, it's unreal. Unreal. Um, but luckily, I, I stuck it out because when I went 2014, I done the detox in Francis Farm, was getting a bed across the way for the, for the rehab, and oh, I'm, I'm brand new, I'm fucking off. Mm. Happens all the time. Yeah, it does. Losing. People convince themselves they don't need it. Yeah, it happens. There's somebody in my own family like that. I, you know, the, the, I, the, I met a fella, he, he, he's, he's from Dublin. He was in there in 2014. And he's still clean today, and he's even walking up in Francis Farm now. Where would that? Mm, mm. Mm, mm. Francis Farm has a good record as well, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah, because I think what it is to me is you're out in the open, yeah. it's a farm, the fresh air. Nature. It's all that. It's all that. You reconnect yeah. with nature. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You've came from Francis Farm as well, yeah. James, didn't you? Yeah. Mm. Do you know? And um, Keith, you you went through education then. Yeah, I got um, <coughs> I got clean as well, but and, um, was happened to him and Gargalanders and again, do you know, I couldn't even make a phone call. Do you know, he was saying about the computer, I didn't even know how to make a phone call. I couldn't communicate with people. I was just like, do you know, my self-esteem, everything. See, when you're in addiction, you think you know everything. 
Do you know you think you're so educated? You know? But you are in that, in that in world, world in you are. Yeah. But no, you're you're going straight. But when you're going different. straight in recovery, it's like you're a child. Mm. Like you're just like you're you're reborn again as a child mm. and starting baby steps learning. Mm. And it, well, my learning was actually through people. Do you know, it was learning, listening. Do you know, um, even my nieces, like, do you know, they were older than me. Do you know, even my kids was yeah. actually older than me. Like, do you know, I couldn't even, uh, it was very hard even to communicate with them. Like, do you know, mm. and eventually, like, I was taking baby steps. And then, uh, like, with, I remember I was with him, uh, you know, I was inside in the office. And then he says to me, would you like to do a course? And I went, oh, yeah, no problem. Do you know, and she went, yeah, no problem. She said, there's a phone number there. She says, and, um, she says, why don't you ring that and come back to me next week? Oh, I says, I will, yeah, put the number into my back. I went downstairs and I turned away the number. <laughs> you know, I did like, do you know, because he said to me, he said, fuck, you're not ringing because straight away, like, oh, it was all negative in my head, like, so who's going to, who's going to take me on in the course? Do you know, it was all negativity, look where I'm after coming from, there's nobody going to, do you know? Mm. But uh, I came back the week after, and then I said, did you make the phone call? And I went, uh, <laughs> nah, I said, I didn't make the phone. Do you know, and she said, so I, I said it to her, like, do you know, and I went, nah, I said, so she said, would you like to make dummy phone calls? Mm -hmm. Do you know? So she'd be one side and I'd be the other, like, so that's, that's the relationship was started getting thin, do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, and, um, and before I know it, like, uh, there was farms didn't have to be filled out, do you know? I couldn't do it, do you know? So then I helped me through the, the farm. So I started getting my self esteem, started coming back, and I started kind of believing myself some bit, do you mm -hmm. know? And uh, I got into the, um, Personal development. Shep. Mm. Shep. Do you know? And I swear to God, I found that brilliant. Like, do you know? I started kind of, I started, I was kind of lucky. There was about every, I was the only man there, the rest were all women. And I got great learning from each one of them. When I went to first, I went, whoa, not a hope what's happening there. Like, do you know? I felt so kind of out. Mm. Do you know? But they got a lot of learning as well from me. Do you know? Where I was in my addiction, where I went through my addiction, where I put people through my addiction, brought up a laugh for them. And that also brought up a laugh for me, do you know? And I got a lot of learning. And at the end of the year, they all actually got a lot of learning as well for me, do you know? We all respect each other as well, do you know? And then, <clears throat> like that, going in there because I just wanted to be around people that was in recovery. I didn't want to go to that circle. I had one very small few as well in my circle, even in it. Um, in recovery, like mm. I just had a smart view, but I just wanted to India. I didn't want to go outside uh, the circle. Then I started learning, realizing um, I need to go outside and trust people outside recovery as well, outside addiction. And there were the supports that I was getting, you know, and they're, mm. they're actually the ones that pushed me to where I actually am today. You know, so in my head, when I got to recovery, I went, I'm just going to stay here in here now. Just me. But before I know, they start to kind of know that circle and start trusting people and trusting other people. And before I know it, that's where I actually am now. You, know? mm -hmm. you did the College of Commerce for a year? We've done the College of Commerce. We did the College of Commerce and, and that's where I learned a lot about myself. You know, um, <clears throat> when I was in school, like, years ago, and I was turning over one side of the class because I wasn't good enough. I was stupid. I was stupid there. And then when I was getting um, homework, in school, mm. I had to do the homework at home, and then when I couldn't do the homework at home, I was getting punished at home for it, and then I was also getting punished at school. So I was over one side of the class, and the rest of the class was over here, you know, and I was always kind of different. Mm. You know, I know I was different. I didn't feel safe in school, you know. I didn't feel safe at home either, mm. you know. I was always running. You know, I often stayed in, um, I often stayed hundred yards away in the secondary school across the way. So you because know, I felt safer over there. Yeah. Do you know? And then eventually I started kinda of running further and further. And how was it, how was the college of Commerce you saw? Was it different? When I went to the College of Commons then I was in there a, a few weeks and um there was a a guidance counsellor. Do you know there was actually one lads down there very well he says I'm gonna out to I'm gonna out to the guidance council down here. He said he's coming down he says no but I have my own counsel no side I said you know, he says, no, he said, it's a guiding counsellor. 
Så jeg vagte ondt ind i vandet. Jeg vil chatte med hver, at hun hentede Josie med læg. Jeg sagde for fire mennesker, og hun sagde, vil du læg til at komme ind i tos der? Her går alt det halvpjørn, og alt det halvpjørn gæt. Så jeg er blevet sådan, at den er min, så jeg vendte. Så nu var det, her går alt det halvpjørn gæt. Så næste dag, she says me that Tuesday and she said, would you like to be assessed by a psychologist? Do you know? So the, the college of Pierrefoot and I says, oh, would you? But she said I was kind of showing signs, do you know? And I says, no, nah. she, she said, it's dyslexia. I said, no, nah, I can read and write. I says, I'm, I'm perfect. And I got assessed. It's severe dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And she said I was showing signs of ADHD. So she didn't say I had it, do you know? So me had to go and get a second opinion, you know. So I took to me doctor and went to a psychologist the other day to see. Every week I was going up there for five months and they rang me one day for the feedback. So I went down to talk me the ADHD as well. Mm. Did that explain a lot for you then? Mm. Yeah. Well, when they taught me I had ADHD or uh, dyslexia, I thought my life was completely over because I wanted to move forward on college. You know, <laughs> you thought I was going to block I it. I thought like. it was going to be blocked. I thought it was, you know, I, I thought that was it. Little I know that there, there was more support still. There was mm-hmm. more help there. You know, all the supports and, and the help was there. That's you know, and then they diagnosed me with the ADHD there. Um, I asked them what help was around that like. And they said, uh, medication, you know, I didn't have the medication. I went, no, I just said, yeah. I clean this over five years, I says I wouldn't be, five and a half years, I said I wouldn't be taking, mm. do you know, I wouldn't What be kind taking. of medication <coughs> would that be? Ritalin, I'd say. Ritalin, that's it, yeah. Would that affect you on a daily basis? Well, it, 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 it kind of numbs the emotions, I think, is what's one of the side yeah. effects, yeah. So what they did say, if I did take it, that I'd be able to, I'd be able to relax, a little relax bit, more yeah. and take in a lot more with the education. So I turned around and says, Renier, ever help around the medication part like you know that's a big drug in uh, universities not so much maybe in Ireland but in America because Ritalin mm-hmm. helps you I know if you're very HD you find it hard to focus but Ritalin helps you focus it helps you stay mm-hmm. up all night and concentrate and the people that use it for exams and essays and stuff like that but it's an ADHD medication yeah. stimulant like yeah. I can completely relate to that stuff as well and like it sounds like it uh, Something that could really help somebody. You, you you're very aware of it as well, Sean, because I know you're very HD. Sean oh, is through yeah. the, working on the cameras there, a producer. He knows what it is as well, and um, it does help people. You know, it does. Gabriel Mate was on it as well. He used it as well for his own ADHD, yeah. and it does really genuinely help people. But what happens is, it helps people too much, and they go far with it you know and i can completely understand your views around addiction and being an addict and stuff like that and, and uh they're very fair you know but um i suppose it in the other side it does it that that kind of medication does help people right. as well sometimes medication is appropriate and sometimes it isn't yeah. but in the end of the day it's personal choice yeah. but the way and, i look at it like is like i'm 48 years mm-hmm. do you know we're old. No, no, I'm being on medication for that. Because yeah. I was on a lot of other medication. Yeah, so it's that, yeah. like, I was on Oxycontins, but your name in the other way. Yeah. I was even on them. I was on Oxycontins. Um, I was on Xanax, um, Halcyum, all through the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, prescribed from the doctor. Like That was because you were in an accident. Yeah. 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 I lost my leg through blood clots. Yeah. Do you know? But. Uh, like, I even went up to Dr. Nick, Nick Flynn, when I got out of prison. Even in prison, I was on my Xanax, mm-hmm. do you know? And when I came out of prison, I went into Nick, and uh, I said, I'm here for my prescription. And he went, uh, all right, he said, what's your prescription, George? And he was my doctor. And he went, not a hope, he says. Am I giving you any of them, he says. Do you want me to be in prison? I said, so I was even in the prison. I mean, in the prison. I said, when you have to go out, ring him. He didn't even believe it, but I was. I was on three milligrams of Xanax a, a day. You were probably the only prisoner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're very strict no. about that, Yeah, they? I was on them, do you know, a day, three a day, I was getting the one milligrams, and next day, I wasn't getting the sleep and having the halcyum. They wouldn't give me the halcyum or anything like that, mm. it was just the one milligrams. Mm. And um, he, he he says, you'll have to be for George O'Manny. And I did. Do you know, he wouldn't give me out the tablets, simple as that. Yeah. He says, he'll get prison. 
do you know? And I was getting them off of George. And eventually, I remember a couple of weeks after when they, when they actually got recovery, do you know, when I went into the cocky lines, I said, do you know, I've yeah. just been honest. I think it was my first time really being honest with anybody, yeah. to be honest. And I went up to Nick Flynn and I told him I wanted him off my medication. And he said I had backgrounds of seizures that he would have been concerned about me, mm. do you know? And there he was writing out a prescription, but reducing it, yeah, yeah, do you know? And I'm saying, geez, Jose, to be wrong from his prescription, he wouldn't give out the prescription. And there he's right now, our yeah. prescription. Because he's helping you come down off it. He's helping me come Nick down. Nick was actually on the podcast as well last yeah. year. It was in the height of COVID, and we got COVID tests on cameras, man. But you're in UCC at the moment, and you're doing a bit of research. So to introduce the research, I want to invite Katrina and Sheila and to the hot seats, and you can take a seat, and we'll bring you back in a couple of minutes. Katrina Svarak, how are you? Criminologist over in UCC. I am. Austrian-born. Austrian born. Do you want to introduce a bit of research to the lads or don't? Yes. Yourself? Yes, yeah. So um, the research we did together with the lads, there was actually three of them. As you just met um, two of them now, Keith and Tony, it was called, um, the project was called Clean Slate. And it was generously funded by the Irish Research Council, New Foundations. I have to give them credit yeah, for that. So yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity. And it was a small scale qualitative research study, meaning we were interested in people's stories about the challenges uh, people face when they come out of prison, more or less. We we're particularly interested in the challenges of finding work and getting back into education in the sort of broader context of um, people like Lynn Ruan and so on, pushing for a reform of the spent convictions bill and mm -hmm. a general sort of appetite to sort of start to recognize that people have to be allowed mm -hmm. uh, to sort of forget their criminal convictions, their criminal record and, and, and move on in life. Mm -hmm. Um, but we were really interested to do a different type of research because in criminology or in other social sciences, um, we, we, very, we very often, we research about people, but we don't research with them. Yeah. So, you know, we might go in, have a one hour interview maybe, and then we leave again. And then we write up a couple of lines of what they've told us. But what we wanted to do together here at Cork Alliance and, and, and us in UCC, was to really, we call it, co-produce a piece of research. Mm. And not only co-produce it in a way that we call it that way, because a lot of... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. People now, it's a very fashionable term. We yeah. co-produce stuff. Yeah. But we're really interested in how can you genuinely co-produce work uh, with people who have been um, through the criminal justice system. Um, in UCC, third level education, we usually do this type of research that the guys did with very advanced students. So with people who are doing master's degrees or PhD degrees. Mm -hmm. So for, for me as a researcher, the puzzle was how do we um, do this together? Um, how do you how, how do you approach the ethics committee in UCC? Because it's quite novel 
like is it probably don't see this type of research done did they come back with any concerns or is this is this they were actually very good i was surprised but um um you sort of quickly realized that a lot of the forms and uh sort of procedures and not really considering necessarily these types of research. So mm -hmm. usually, for example, in an ethics form, they would ask you to, to be very clear about what research instruments you'll be using. So let's say interviews and focus groups yeah. and I don't know. But um, this was going to evolve over but time. But this was not clear from the beginning because the idea was that if you do genuinely research together, you first need to get to know each other. You need to build a relationship. You need to train people. So we did lots of research and sort of we did a little bit of thematic analysis. What is ethics in social research? Why why do we actually want to know people's stories about their life after prison? What is it? Mm. Who, who would benefit from this type of knowledge? Mm. And then we decided together what type of research methods we want to use. Mm. So what, what I did, I packed everything into the form and the ethics committee was fantastic. And they proved that there was a couple of bits of, of, of feedback and so on and so forth. But generally that that was... That was okay. Great, and you partnered with Cockeline Centre. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Like, and was it easy to source participants? Well, I suppose it came. What Catherine and myself were talking about, and Catherine said, "I'd love to do a piece of research. Great, all on board for a piece of research, but only if it's our people who are doing it. I suppose I'm tired of our people being researched on. Yeah. And we needed to do a fresh way of doing it. So allowing our people to be providing the space for them to be trained to be the social researchers, to, to find their voice and to, I knew, I knew myself that what the findings that will come out of that will be so much stronger and so much more real because of the connection and the relationships that are there. Mm -hmm. And if our work is about relationships, then our research has to be about relationships at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's for me why, what, why this was important. Um, finding the participants was easy. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose I love the fact that we were looking at somebody that was, you know, five years out of prison, somebody else was 10 years out of prison, somebody else is just out of prison. Um, and and just showing that there's an ambit of people from all different walks of life with different, um, I suppose, times in recovery, different lengths of time in recovery can participate and participate very actively um, in this form of research. And I think that Katarina embraced it very openly mm. and, and trusting because it was so much out of the norm and, and the realm of research. Is the research about people's recovery and assistance journey in their own words? Um, the, the main sort of we started the project uh, wanting to understand what are the challenges people face yeah. um, sort of reintegrating into society. We, mm. we call it very bluntly after yeah. prison. We soon learned that obviously that goes hand in hand with sort of the whole um, 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 education, education, mm. but also um, um, what do you call it? Recovery, recovery journey. But, yeah. but the the project as such was not on recovery, but yeah. sort of reintegration. Yeah. Um, more broadly, whatever was going on, um, for people in their lives, but particularly we were interested to really tease out how the stigma of a criminal record sticks to people and how you can overcome that. Mm. And in particular, we were interested in sort of what are the barriers that society can remove, and where do individuals come in. And sort of where can they take their own steps on on the path towards reintegration? And we're going to have the lads to come on to talk about yeah. kind of. But what 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 kind of stuff came up? What what kind of findings did you come up with? Like that, there's obviously the obvious ones. Housing is obviously a big barrier to yeah. reintegration. There was more nuanced stuff as well, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a, a couple of really sort of shocking findings for me at least. Um, so, for example, um, stories of meeting officials who you should be actually be able to trust. So let's say in the probation service, in the Gardaí, um, but also just coming out of prison, who who would speak to people um, upon release or shortly after in very derogatory terms. Mm -hmm. So these are th these are these, they, these are stuff that the guys teased out in their peer to peer interviews. So, for example, having to report on your um, family status to a probation officer just for an ordinary interview and then being told that um, when, when, when you tell when you say that you don't have a girlfriend, you're being told that, um, well, no wonder who'd, who'd want a guy like you. Really? So we got loads and loads of these sort of stories, which were really shocking, um, mm. but which also showed how all the people who were interviewed were in recovery, how resilient they are, mm. 
but in a way that they have to they, they do have with all the supports available they do have to face a lot of these sort of micro hurts and aggressions along the way and they do overcome them so for me that was really really um that was it made me angry but it also it also sort of um, moved me and sort of really uh, in, inspired me mm. um there there was other stories with um we know that people are being supported a lot to get back into education and employment and social enterprise and this and that but there is also many stories where people um feel sort of completely um, lost with regards to for example accessing the labor market you feel you need to pull in um, favors from friends. You are scared of guard vetting because of your previous experiences with guards. Information is out there, but you need to be lucky, for example, to to uh, to get the support of Cork Alliance. Some other people who don't come out under any sort of community supervision scheme and so on might not know about the supports available. So, mm. it's 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 it can be a hit and miss um, situation as well. And then. Um, and then within that, people, um, for example, being taken on for jobs and then recognized in a small city, you know, we know sort of yeah. the crime is geographically concentrated in a particular area. Um, and then um, people know each other and then people get a second chance. They start to work. They're being recognized by someone. Um, this person says something derogatory to their employer. And next is the person either loses the job Sometimes it's not even directly fired, but is phased out over time. Is phased out over time. So there's loads of loads of stories like that, and it just puzzles me if we think about sort of social change because I'm always in, so. So what affects social change? We we can change laws, but there's something deeper there. There's a sort of a, a, a culture of stigma and a culture of. Um, yeah, a culture of stigma attached to people who are coming out of prison. And that's why I think your podcast is so great, because you are actually, and by us being here together and talking about it, we're countering the stigma, you know? Did you did you go through any process where you tried to have a look at any solutions around any of the areas that you were looking at? Hmm. Um, we sort of, a huge piece, because, because mm. we sort of, people after prison touched on so many different issues from housing, to um, you know the, the lack of uh, rehab uh, places um, um, and so on and so forth. So so we didn't come to very specific policy uh, recommendations, but um, the one big thing that we sort of noticed together is that um, when you when you pick up criminal charges and you sort of are landed with a criminal record through your convictions, this is it, it's a very public ritual, right? This is sort of around mm. the, the evening echo and you're on exactly. the Irish examiner. And but when you're doing well, and when you're doing well for a short time, medium time, long term, we can discuss that. There is no ritual to take that oh. label, that stigma away from you. And people have said that in different national contexts. Like we are not the first ones, but it is just very noticeable that um, there, there is nothing people can do at that level of conviction that sort of then counterbalance. What about in other jurisdictions? Do they do it differently? Is there any country we can look to as like a model? Well, I know, for example, in France, um, for, for lower types of offences um, in their administrative courts, they have a ritual in court um, where you turn up with um, a sort of track record of uh, positive behaviours. The judge looks through that. Your family is there, your friends are there in the courtroom. And it's a similar ceremony to the actual sentencing, mm -hmm. but it's a sort of delabeling ceremony. And there's, there's um, um, research done, ethnographic research in, about these French courtrooms and described as, as uh, you can feel um, the, the relief of the person going through that ritual so, and, and, and so, getting that official stamp of... Yeah. Now you're clear, you you're, know. So your criminal record is quashed. Is, is that what you're saying? It's quashed and you're not under obligation anymore to declare to produce, it. Uh, to produce. To produce When you go for vetting. Ah. So there, there is, and, and I know in Ireland we're talking about stuff like this. The ideas like that are out there. Um, so Has the Irish, have, have we, have, has has the Irish government looked at an example like France and and? I think there's pieces of research, to be fair, which the Department of Justice has commissioned, which have looked at these types 
um, of processes. Um, but I guess in in something that ma that would be, I think, a massive and radical. Like for uh, that would be very yeah. radical because you have to look at the whole court process, the sentencing process, and so on and so forth. Yeah, Sheila, you're in the sector a long time. Was there anything in what the lads found or talked about surprising to you? Or was it just a, a validation, I suppose, of stuff that you've experienced? I think what the lads found was very much what we would hear mm. very regularly in the office. I think what was interesting was in the conversations with UCC in relation to what they understood the situation would be or what they perceived the situation to be um, and how they how that unfolded in the research. Though always, I think one of the things that we all would very much know is that there's a very complicated relationship with prison. And prison can equally be a safe space mm. as a not safe space. Mm. And how, um, as sociology and, cr and criminology researchers get, understand that now, I think has changed because of this process, um, because of how the lads did the interviews, because of how the lads talked about that process for themselves and what that was like being in that journey. I think that the for me, there, Katarina would have been involved in training, um, the men in at, to become social researchers, but equally, that the balance of that was the lads. We're then and remember we're, we're equally training Katarina and the team in mm. kind of the wider aspects, so they got a much deeper and truer understanding of what all of that journey is. So that when they were working on designing their questionnaires, when we were working on on doing the interviews and with the peer interviews, it was a whole other level. There was a whole other, le other level of depth that um, was addressed, and you could completely see from a UCC context how this was a completely you know, a new new territory, new area. Um, that there was a real quick, I suppose, quick pro, pro quo swap in, in knowledge, in that knowledge base and yeah. sharing of that knowledge base and coming at that together and very much being in a team together. Mm. Um, and in, I think that for me has been the, the, the lovely part of it is, is just to watch Katarina and, and the lads work work as a complete team and, and, it's not what and it's very much on a peer level. But it shows as well, like um, universities and research, it's not like boring, do you know what I mean? It can be very like... Uh, engaging and it can be very interesting it's not like you have to go into the library and sit down in front of the book for you know 10 hours a day you know it's like you're out in the street you're meeting people you're talking then you're analyzing that stuff like that so it might you know it's obviously the lads positive um relationship with education their peer network their families you know the ripple effect that somebody having a positive experience in education can have in the wider community is great but i'm going to bring the lads back in it, we spoke with Carcolines a lot. They can hear a lot more on our very first yeah. guest. Yeah. She was our very first guest, episode five. So go back and check on that. Yeah. And if people want to know more about the research, can they email you, Katrina? They can email me, yes, k.svirak at ucc.ie. And we'll have a website up very soon, cleanslatecork.com. Oh, great. Um, and we'll have the basically the maps, the walking maps, the biographical walking maps the guys designed. We'll have them up there. We'll have the research finding from the interviews up there couple of photos to to show how the sort of process happened and some other research findings. I know you have a podcast to put up there as well. Oh, yes. That's it's it's, it's everything, everything bar the traditional writer report that goes on a shelf. Yeah. So how do we disseminate this information yeah. so that people connect, connect with and do it? That is part of it as a podcast. Part of it is the, is the very active and, and participatory yeah. website as well. It's visuals. Uh, and absolutely. It's visual, and, and the yeah. maps are tied into Google Maps yeah. and all the rest of it. It's, it's a very fascinating way of looking yeah. at it. Fabulous. Congratulations. Thank well done. So Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I got you first, Tony. Um, what was it like for you? I kind of I enjoyed it. Do um, when you were going into it, what did you expect? Had your perception of what it might be like? Or were you up in your head? About I, know, I, I was kind of up in my head, no. Kind of like, because it was Vicky and Cock Lanes asked me would I do it. She told me all it was about and I kind of said like, I fuck it, I'm out of prison over 10 years. But she said that don't kind of kind of matter like we're in prison. So um, it was really my first time going up to UCC besides going out there fishing. Yeah. No, but going up into the campus and... Uh, what was it like? Fuck it. Bit of imposter syndrome, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I was doing when I was walking up now, like it was crowds and what have you. And just kind of like, kind of wonder what that fucker was studying now. Oh, that's the way my head was going. And then listening to the lingo off him, yeah. I like, oh, don't fucking talk like that. It's different, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh... <laughs> but when I met Katrina then, like, and fucking Barbara and Anna, it was like, it was kind of, you know, 
The first yeah. day was nervous for me. Yeah. But after that, then it just kind of came together. Yeah. And what was the research like for you? Yeah. Um, I t- the f- the, 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 we had to kind of come up with a kind of turning point in our lives. Yeah. And I kind of I struggled with that, even though I, I, my turning point was just like mm. had enough of it. Yeah. Like, like I think it was just getting it done on paper and stuff like that. What were the, what were the walks actually about, Tony? My walk on here was about the addiction side of it, where I kind of grew up. So you walked around areas where you areas used... where I grew up, um, like there would have been childhood memories, mm-hmm. good, childhood memories, bad, and the same in adult then, good mm-hmm. and bad. Uh, that was all mapped then. And yeah, research. kind of like like uh, being grand parent no. Like, um, and would there be a little, uh, a little no box next to that then explaining yeah, the area? Yeah, I kind like oh, I okay. like a bit of writing on it too. Like, um, and then it would have been Churchfield Terrace because we were playing football there, and then the Prokel Hall where we would have been drinking. Mm. Um, Churchfield Trust, like that was, that was kind of positive. It would have been negative and positive. Um, but I think, I, I. Keith's walk was down in fucking Spike. I just enjoyed that. Yeah. I fucking loved it. Spike Island, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. My walk was easy enough, just around a few parts here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Keith went on a boat trip on his walk. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what was it like for you, Keith? To be honest, about it, I enjoyed every part of it. Every mm. bit of it, you know. Um, but doing, do you know, Tony's map as well, do you know. I enjoyed every bit of it, to be honest, like, do you know. And, I got a lot of, uh, um, I got a lot out of it, you know, and um, there was a lot come up for me out of it as well, like, you know, there was a lot of positive, you know, came up out of it, but there was a lot of loss as well that I didn't, I, I wasn't aware of, you know, um, <clears throat> but there was a lot of kind of safe places where I, I actually was, you know, because maybe like um, we'd done the walks of, you know, the school where I was, you know, and the um, treatment centre. Yeah. Do you know, um, that was a safe test for me. Do you know, I remember getting into recovery and going to the meetings, you know, coming out of the meetings and going back to the, to the park downtown, you know, and that was a safe test for me because that's what I used to drink. Mm. And then when I gave up to drinking drugs, I was going to the meetings, coming out of the meetings. I didn't want to be around anybody. Mm. Do you know, I was isolated. I just didn't want to be around anybody. Do you know, I know there was a, that's the trauma mm-hmm. and I had no awareness at the time, do you know? And it was like, I just, I kept going to the park, do you know? I was attracted to the park, park. And there was one seat that I used to go to. And I remember one time when I was in the, the height of it, you know, I was drinking on the seat and there was a woman, a woman, an old woman came over and sat down, do you know? And she, she asked, was I all right? And I wasn't in a good place the same time. I couldn't even look at her. I couldn't even talk to her, do you know? Uh, I just got up and left. I couldn't even, my voice was gone, like, and I went around the corner and it was like a madman, because it was my seat, I was drinking, that's what I used to drink, like, and I looked, you know, around the, the corner of the wall to see, and she got up and she left, and the minute she got up and left, I sat back down the seat, you know, but that was a safe place for me, like, you know, when I, when I got recovery for about three or four months, I kept going back there, Yeah. not drinking, but I just kept going back there. And then when we went to Spike Island, do you know, um, we done the tour, do you know, Maggie O'Neill, she's a, she's over the university in, in, in Bristol. And David Honeywell, well, he's in um, Aldean. Aldean, yeah. So they came back as well for the walk, do you know, and um, um, going over there, to be honest about it, when, when I first done the interview, I was, I didn't know what to expect, do you know. I didn't know what to expect, like, and going over there, um, we went into the cell that I was in, you know, um, it's actually, that part is actually closed off to the public, you know, and then we got in there, but I was in there three weeks before anyway, myself, you know, because me, me uh, nephew Shane brought me over there, you know, just because uh, um, he, he rang me one day, he says, look, he says, I'm out of booking a ticket for you, he says, and, uh, um, they come over with me, but my dog, but we did get into the landing anyway, it's closed off, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be you know, and we got in there, so I took four of us, and this, you know, I came out, and I kind of started showing it, and 
that's where we could do the work, do you know. And we went over there, and um, to be honest about it, brought up a lot for me. Do you know, my brother Alfred was alive at the time. I just got out of prison when he, I just got out of spite when he went in there, do you know. Mm -hmm. And um, we went into, when we went over there, there was in there, the, the Mitchell block, do you know, my brother John was in there, do you know. But uh, I kind of, when I, when I went in there, I was in there in 89. My brother died, he was in there, I came from uh, St. Pat's down there. And uh, I came from St. Pat's into um, Spike, and I would gone into the same cell as my brother died, so I felt as safe as mm. shit now, like. And then I left there, and then I went back. I went back in 97 then, do you know? But between then, and I was married. I got married in between then, like, do you know? And, uh, Jeez, you're a dark horse kid. I never knew we were married. <laughs> I know a long time, I never knew we were married. But, but I got married between then, do you know? And um, so, going in, the, going in there then, I had, in 97, I had the child as well, do you know? I had the daughter, my first daughter. And, uh, all those memories came back to you when you were in... All the memories, because I'm married, you know, my daughter, and, do you know, there was many years that I kind of um, missed. No, yeah. my kids been brought up as well, do you yeah. know? And uh, kind of really when um, when I went into the visiting box, then we came kind of around to the prison where I was at the school. And do you know, we went over, um, we went over to the, where the shop was, yeah. do you know, the general office, do you know, we were just looking around the, mm -hmm. There was same thing we went off to the visiting box and um David says is drinking coming off, you know, to feel anything and I went, No, no, no and next time I went, Do you know what? I was do you know, it was kinda of, I went divorced into like, do you know? I lost my marriage through yeah, you know. Um and with my kids as well, do you know, um I kinda of, I didn't see them kinda of, Reared up as much as I could, be yeah. with them, do you know? And I know today that's back from my childhood trauma. Mm. I brought up and brought into the, was basically into the marriage, mm. you know? And which I wasn't aware of, do you know? I had underlying stuff that I wasn't aware of. Mm. And I couldn't be a father. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how to be a husband, do you know? Yeah. I didn't know how to show love, do you know? And when I wasn't showing her, I couldn't give it. And that's when I kind of understood it, you know? Yeah. And basically, like, um, I do I realised that then was when I got into recovery, through cock lines as I got um, into, um, you know, um, connected with uh, Donald Clifford. He's, uh, I know he wouldn't mind me naming him. He was on the podcast, then. Yeah. Do you know, uh, he's my counsellor. Yeah. You know, and uh, I see him every week, every week from the last five and a half years and then you start get a bit of awareness around you start linking the dots between the childhood stuff and what happened later in life do you know what it reminds me of we were on uh, RT Nation a few weeks ago and like that you now they followed us around to different parts so like we were up in the old Cork prison Timmy was down in the Bridewell where he kind of had his town of mind I was up by the high house do you know where, where I the overdose we were in the Cork Alliance yeah. with Sheila I was over in UCC yeah. and it's like What's it like for you? I suppose for for me and Timmy, there was a lot of emotion watching mm -hmm. that, wasn't there? What's it like for you, Tony, to have your life kind of on a map with the different key points and key areas? Do, do you look at it and think like there's a lot of sad times there, but I'm glad to be out of it? Are you proud of it, or have you regrets, or what's the it's, it's kind of? Oh, I'm 100% glad to be out of it. Um, this might sound stupid to say, I know, but I think. I think, especially the heroin, I think that kind of saved me in the sense if I didn't get introduced into heroin back when I did, I'd probably be still out there drinking and taking tablets, if I'm being honest. Mm. But when I when I start taking the heroin... Brings you to your knees quicker. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like, you don't, you don't wash yourself with nothing. Mm. Um, like, there was good memories for my, especially down by the Procol Hall, where we'd be just drinking. Mm. Like, they crack like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There was memories then like well I would have been using the gear, you know, and I was like, oh fuck that. I mean, just happy to be over. Um, 
I'm fucking clean over six years now. I just turned six years back in last month, not uh, October, yeah. Um, I mean, I think Dublin played a part now because when I got clean, I just stayed up in Dublin for about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my work was kind of just childhood memories. But what I really kind of really enjoyed about it, James, was the fucking name. Uh, we had to do interviews. So we were doing dummy interviews with ourselves, no? But then when it came to the real thing, the pressure was on. Yeah. But I tell you no, I interviewed the first for Lenny Polly no, but I don't want to say his name. Yeah. Oh man, it was just when I interviewed him for about an hour and a half. Just it was just just like normal conversation here, no. Yeah. I could listen to him all day enough, I'm being honest. Um so I done three of them. The second fella, he's back in prison. And then the third fella is a close friend of mine. Um they were kind of like that was kinda of easy enough for him, but it was easy enough now too with the first fella. Mm. Um I kind of enjoyed that part. I enjoyed everything. I think the hardest part of me is writing down my thorn point in my life, and that was yeah. the first kind of thing. Yeah. I, 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 I struggled with that for some reason. Yeah. Do you think that, the question, did the two of you, just to close it off, do you think that you'll, for you first, Tony, do you think that you'll continue on with the education, or do you think that maybe you're going to go down a different avenue, or what's your plan or hope for the future? Well, I, um, I'm doing the open community now in UCC. Very good. So I'm going to I'm gonna stick that out. Mm. And uh, I hope I can do further education because I fucking left school at an old age. I mean, mm. um, I kind of, I kind of like uh, being educated. Sometimes mm. now when I'm, cause I'm my I does the course up in Knocknaheeny, so it's not on the campus like Keith. Yeah. But sometimes when the lecture is going on, I'm afraid to prop me hand. Not afraid, like, but it's like I don't want to prop me hand. Mm. Don't say I don't understand because. If you come back to me and trying to break it down, I probably still won't understand, and then I'm just going to left stupid. It's right? Just and confidence. Then. Have you have you been assessed for dyslexia? Yeah, I got assessed up in Dublin. You dyslexic, Tony. Do, do, do one can do one, do one, I'm mild. Yeah, mild. So, so yeah. Like, is it, it, have I got? Do you know what I think it is? Me you know to me, I think it's comprehension. Yeah, yeah understanding yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I, I can read and write yeah. and spell. Yeah. But, yeah understanding things when the lecture was going on there I'd be just like fuck it I don't know and I'm taking down notes and then I'd be like they had the right notes I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be taking down mm -hmm. but this is a lot a lot of that is about confidence as well mm -hmm. and questioning yourself and second guessing yourself mm -hmm. when probably you have it and the notes are fine mm -hmm. but because your confidence is, isn't great at the yeah, moment yeah, yeah, you're questioning it but you, normally you get through that course yeah and then you're like, fuck it, maybe, maybe I'm actually yeah. all right. Mm. The next course, then yeah. more confident, the more confident. Right? Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Keith, what's yeah. your, what are you doing at the moment, Master Hope, for the future? I'm, uh, I do the subs substance misuse uh, community in the College of Ham, and I also done level five, community level six. I done, I'm in the middle of my level seven, I got a first class on last year. Congratulations. You know, so like um <laughs> not a bad or like. Yeah. So <laughs> you know <clears throat> to be honest about it, um with with the interviews, you know, I loved it. Do you know to start I went fuck, you know. But I got right into it just like I can do for the rest of my life kind of things, you mm -hmm. know. Listen to other people and mm -hmm. bringing it back to myself and, and relating to each other, you know. there was a lot came up about prison, about you know, about um but, but um, the lack of understanding of the facilities that's actually in there, like, mm. you know, with the school, kind of, you know, there was a lot came up about the school, you know. No, I remember years ago, like, the, the prison officer come out by the, the, with the, front the door, door and yeah. they say school, you know. Everybody run up, even people that's only after coming in, they run up because they want to get in off the yard, maybe it's called, it's raining, and they say, yeah, they take down the names and we'll just say it for me. But I end up and they say, yeah, uh, keep hustle. They go, uh, your name's not done, go and fuck off. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're going to be, even that's to the new person, they say, don't I want to do it. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Instead of going, your name is not done, look, we'll be back in a minute, we'll take down your name um, and you could be caught over tomorrow. So your experience with education from a child in a prisoner was very negative, but now it's positive. And um, what's the hope for you for the future? What's what 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 what's the plan for you for twenty twenty three? Well, my plan now is that um, I had an interview last week, and I'm as you know, I I done the sea with uh, you got me into the sea in coal mine, yeah. um, four months ago, and now I'm uh, 
I went in uh, on the key worker now. Congratulations. Know, so it'll be a full time um, work, do you know, so, yeah. Isn't it great though? I know, I know the two ye like a long time. So I see you at your worst, you see me at my worst. You know, and, mm. you know, like we're here now, and we're not in special. All we did was go to the Cochrane's, went to treatment centre, did a course here, course there, and anybody can do it. Mm. Anybody watching, just go to the school and the jail, ask for to see the welfare or to see whoever you need to see. But the, the, the support are there, and anybody can do it. We're not in special. All we did was use the stuff that was available to us. But it's great to have the. the do you know the belief behind you because to push you, do you know, the likes of carpal lines is like my family, do you know, yeah. my kids push me as well, like, mm -hmm. do you know, they have belief in me as well, like, do you know, and that's that's all we want, yeah. do you know, and, and we got it. Well, it's a pleasure talking to the two of you, thanks, thanks, and, and uh, the two ladies, I wish you nothing but the best for the future, we stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Best of luck. And then, um, no to come up and say because you never says it. Um, Katie and Neon, do know when say hello. Oh. Hi to everybody in Cool <laughs> Mind, especially Katie and Ayrton. Uh, <laughs> God bless. Bye bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.